Hello, and welcome to this latest CN podcast. I'm Anthony Myers. In this episode, I chat with Kate Clancy, Cargill's Group Sustainability Director, Cocoa and Chocolate, as well as updating us on 10 years of Cargill's Cocoa Promise Sustainability Programme. We talk about why the issues affecting the cocoa sector, with supply chains coming under tremendous pressure these past 12 months because of global events. Take a listen. Okay then, Kate. Well, welcome to um, our first podcast of um, 2023. Um, and I'd like to start our conversation with, we'll, we'll get on some wider topics later, but we understand that uh, the Cocoa Promise sustainability program that Cargill set up is now pretty much a decade old. If you'd like to give us a little bit of background about about that initiative and, and some of the successes or challenges that, uh, that, it's, that it's experienced in those 10 years. Thanks so much, Anthony. Uh, very happy to be here with you today to speak about the Cargill Cocoa Promise, which indeed celebrates 10 years. But 10 years is is the, the time since we actually launched the signature program. However, we've been working on sustainability issues for many years prior, already in the early 2000s, um, when we first started operating in West Africa, we would introduce farmers to uh, training programs whereby we would support in improving their um, productivity practices to ensure the quality of what they were supplying, to ensure they had a market access. And that's actually evolved over time. We then realized that there was more we could do in cocoa growing communities. And we started working together with one of our longstanding uh, partners, CARE, in addressing social development issues within cocoa growing communities. And we started that in the mid 2000s. And, and over time, as we also understood, and I think this is certainly a, a theme that you'll see come out as we look back at what our reflections are, we understood better what were some of the issues that the sector uh, was facing, and particularly cocoa-growing communities. And we felt that it was then time, um, after we supported the development of the sustainability standard OOTS, um, to actually create a framework or a program whereby we could encompass a point of view on, on how we felt we could support the sector in in thriving and ensuring that cocoa farming could thrive for for generations to come and that's when the cocoa promise was launched in in 2012 and i i understand now it obviously it's developed it's an ongoing uh, um it's an ongoing initiative of course it's a dynamic uh, situation there are challenges every day every every week you know it throws up new challenges um with with what's going on in the world um but there's there's been some new there's been developments hasn't there if you get to talk Tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the Promise Solutions and the Cocoa Wise uh, portal. And then, indeed, you've aligned the, the, uh, the Cocoa Promise with the, uh, the UN Sustainable, Sustainable Development Goals, haven't you, as well? So how important is that to the, to the program? No, but the se- I mean, very important, right? And I think that illustrates very much the fact that the sector has gone on a very significant journey. <laughs> and the road is long and winding. Um, and it's not just Cargill, but all of the actors in cocoa sustainability from the private sector, uh, companies that process the cocoa beans, our customers, retailers, consumers, everyone has evolved their understanding over the years um, in terms of what are the issues that we're trying to tackle. And not just the symptoms, but also the root causes of working in countries where the majority of the world's cocoa is produce where a lot of the farmers are smallholders and they're generally uh, they're living below the general poverty line 
And so I think we've really matured our thinking and through that being able to come up with solutions that are more holistic in nature, uh, that recognize the fact that many of the issues we're dealing with are highly interconnected. Um, and when you're actually intervening on one issue, um, you might have an impact on a number of others. But we've also seen the benefit that technology can bring. So you you spoke to the point around digital solutions and the CocoaWise portal. That's that's actually a, um, a customer portal or a portal whereby our customers Customers can log in and get access to information. And that information is related to the traceability of their cocoa beans, where they're coming from. It's related to the sustainability impact of, of the activities that we're implementing on their behalf. It's It provides them access to stories um, about the people that they're touching actually through the investments that they make. And so when you buy a sustainability solution from Cargill um, that is actually powered by the Cargill Cocoa Promise, customers get access to this CocoaWise portal. But what's so exciting is that that portal is powered by a suite of digital tools. And those are the tools we're operating in the countries where we buy cocoa. We're actually collecting data digitally on the first mile. So we're, we're mapping farms, we're assessing um, and doing censuses in households to understand more about households and the communities where we operate. And we use that data to give transparency but we also use it to target interventions better. So we're even more um, able to direct our resources to, to ensure that we're, we're making the most impact on the issues that, that matter most in those communities. Okay, and where, I was going to ask you actually, where, where does Cargill source most of its cocoa beans from? So Cargill um, sources from all major cocoa producing uh, origins. Uh, and I think we're, we're sourcing beans from over 20 countries across the globe where cocoa is produced. And we do that for a variety of reasons, sensory, security and, and sustainability. We're operating the Cargill Cocoa Promise in six countries. So in Brazil, Cameroon. Côte d'Ivoire, Ghana, Ecuador, and Indonesia. And that's where we're reaching uh, just shy of 250,000 farmers directly and their households with the portfolio of, uh, of activities that the program uh, runs. Thank you. And another uh, um, highlight, again, of the Cocoa Promise was an initiative set up, I think, in 2019, uh, the Co-op Academy. Um, what does, what does, what does, explain a little bit about that, yeah. uh, please. Thank you for asking. Um, we're very proud of that program. And I think we're proud of it because we've realized that um, this isn't about Cargill, right? The Cargill, um, we are an actor in the supply chain and we can do many things. We we have a lot of, um, we have a footprint, we have assets, we have employees, we have expertise and resources that we can put. But actually, um, our su success will be very much dependent on the success of small ch supply chain actors like farmer organizations and cooperatives. And so we realized very early on that a lot of the work we're doing is really about building and strengthening the resilience of cocoa farming households, but also working with cooperatives so that they can be professionalized. And um, we work together with the IFC to design a program called the Co-op Academy, which basically gives access to um, it gives access to farming organizations on business management skills. We've since renewed that and introduced elements around helping cooperatives become more digitally active and literate. So through that program, we've introduced mobile banking. So we now actually pay cooperatives and farmers with mobile solutions. We've introduced digital traceability. So we, the cooperatives that benefit 
go through the Co-op Academy also are able to use Cargill Digital Solutions to sell us fully traceable cocoa. Um, and in the meantime, we've also, the most recent iteration of, of the program, the recent phase two, we focus very much on working with women um, as leaders. So we understood very, um, we understood recently actually with our work with CARE that if we could support women um, and women entrepreneurs and women role model certain types of behaviors, in general, more women in the community would be likely to help to form groups and in turn also develop themselves and support their families. So that's been an exciting development of the Coop Academy. And in your role as a sustainability director for, for Cargo Cocoa and Chocolate, you're obviously aware of the new EU legislation that's about is going to come in either this year or early next year mm -hmm. on the deforestation um, uh, legislation. How how are you tackling that? What what do you what what um, processes have you got in place? Um, I do, yes, so we we're very much um, aware and supportive of sustainability policy. Um, it's very encouraging to see the wide interest that sustainability is garnering and the desire to continue to drive. Um, a drive to raise standards within the sector. Um, through the work that we're doing through the Cargill Cocoa Promise, we actually have already implemented first mile traceability. So we're actually mapping, polygon mapping farms to understand uh, where they are located. And we use satellite technology to overlay that with forested areas to understand if there is a risk of deforestation in our supply chain. And if there is a risk, um, we're then able to go into field and assess that risk and understand what is happening. We also have implemented systems whereby we're able to measure the volumes of cocoa that's coming into our supply chain to understand if that amount of cocoa is um, can be produced by a given farmer. So a sort of quota system whereby we understand if a farmer is producing too much cocoa and thus maybe that is not uh, coming from that farm. We are, yes, so there's a number of different activities we're taking to ensure that we're, um, and those are activities that we've already been taking for a number of years because Cargill also had its own land use policy and was looking at ways in which it could ensure that it was addressing deforestation risks in its supply chain. And those activities will be expanded across of our, across our supply chain. I will say, though, that... Um, there are different types of supply chain within the cocoa sector, and it will be important that for these legislations to be successful, that there are um, bilateral partnerships or public-private partnerships with producing country governments uh, that also look at ways in which standards of traceability can be raised across the sector. So things like national traceability systems will be, <coughs> excuse me, important to ensure that all cocoa that is being produced uh, also um, is traceable and not just that that is coming through sustainability programs. No, I'm not referring to Cocoa Promise here, Cargill's Cocoa Promise here, but Juana, do you, do you think the, the legislation could be counterproductive to cocoa farmers? Um, I, I've been to farms in West Africa and seen you know, smallholder farmers. It's so difficult to... to um, you know, map out the the, the land to to to, to uh, you know it's 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 one or two acres. Um, um, it's a huge huge problem um, for pot companies like yourself to 
to to claim 100% you know sustainability in in some of the supply chains if they're using um, smallholder farmers in West Africa. Do you think I'm not talking about cocoa promise in general? Do you think it, it could be a problem for the smallholder farmers, cocoa farmers in Africa, that they may um, you know they may be excluded from 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 the supply chain because of those reasons, and that will you know that's going to lead to greater problems for the farmers, isn't it? They'll be destitute without an income. Have, have you do you have you heard anything about those arguments? Well, it links to to the point I made earlier around yeah. the interlinkages of the issues, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you look at agriculture and climate change, uh, they're very interconnected. Yeah. Um, and when you're combating deforestation, you also need to look at the context and understand that you're also equally trying to address poverty, right? And ensure that farmers have livelihoods and have access to markets. Um, And so indeed, you know, it's important to promote those sustainable practices that will protect the environment, but keep in mind what are some of the trade-offs. So one way that we're looking at that, for example, is the introduction of agroforestry. So how do you support farmers uh, generate more uh, income from their farm through a variety of diversified farm activities, thereby reducing the need for farmers to encroach on new land, right, and expand their farm into areas where perhaps uh, with the right level of forest policy and f- um, forest policy enforcement, uh, they wouldn't or shouldn't be be encroaching, encroaching their land. And to your point around, um, I think there is an absolutely a role and and suppliers are playing very much the role in supporting farmers map out their farms. We also have a a program um, with Meridia called CLAP, whereby we're looking at supporting land tenure and land rights. And and often the work that we do to map out farms um, allows farmers to then apply for property certificates, which also is another way in which you can combat deforestation and address livelihoods. Because when a farmer knows that they own their land, the same way when you and I uh, know that we actually own the house that we're living in, you're more likely to invest in it. You're more likely to fix the roof and maintain your garden and whatnot because you actually have that security. So there's a lot of um, interconnections between the issues and it will be important for all stakeholders to appreciate those connection points and how um, those working on these issues are trying to tackle the prerequisites necessary to ensure, to your point, farmers aren't excluded from the value chain and can continue to make a livelihood from cocoa and other incomes in a secure way while protecting the environment. So, yes, no shortage of complexity. And that's not an excuse. No, <laughs> that's no. not at all an excuse. It's just a very, um, it's it's the, the the understanding that we're building as we work on these issues. Okay, thank you. I, um, thank you for that. That's a, a very detailed answer. And it does <laughs> some, of the, some of the questions that, 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 that are always posed when, um, when, the, when these topics come up. Another one really <laughs> is um, uh, Cocoa Barometer last year. It's biannual report 2022. I'm sure you've read it. I'm sure a lot of the uh, industry um, sustainability uh, chiefs have read it again it's basically saying not much has changed since it was since the last production uh, publication two years ago in some ways you know things are getting worse i mean uh, again i know a lot of companies like yourselves are, are trying their best to to solve a lot of the problems um and there's still criticism around uh you know the, the type the farmer income basically 
basically, isn't it? How, how, what is the best way for farmers to get a decent um, price for their cocoa beans at, at, at the farm gate? Um, that seems to be the main issue that Cocoa Barometer is uh, 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 saying. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, no, it's a double, it's funny you comment on complexity because yeah. um and detailed answers and and i appreciate yeah. it right the playing the role i play uh, you know you need to appreciate the nuance um and and i'm lucky to have Lori and others remind me uh yeah. on 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 how to share that with others the you know you're you're asking a very relevant question and and i think the work that's being done by the authors of the coco barometer to continue to hold the sector accountable and what i found actually most noteworthy or was also noteworthy in the report was the acknowledgement that there's many actors in the supply chain and there is not only the private sector there is not only suppliers there's not only there's a number of different actors that all respectively need to play a role um in bringing about the change and uh, I'm actually very proud of the progress that we have made, but I also appreciate there's a very there. It is a long road, and it's not a um, you know this is not a, a short match or a tournament. This is a, this is a very long game that is being played with the interests of many people uh, in mind. And I think you know you know when you ask why don't we simply pay farmers more for their cocoa, I think it's important to understand some of the mechanics of cocoa pricing, right? Um, and it's not just about the price of cocoa. Cocoa prices are set by a global market. They're driven by several factors that are outside of the control of any single market participant, including companies. Farmers are paid a farm gate price. Um, that price is actually uh, set and in some way is related to the global futures price, but those beans are then processed and the cocoa products are then what are sold. So, there's many different things that need to be taken into account when you're looking at price and actually what you're trying to do is address poverty. And by doing that, it's not necessarily only about the price, but looking at the holistic set of interventions that need to be um, that need to be put in place to ensure that the farmer is more economically resilient, which means not only depending on cocoa, but looking at different ways in which the farmer and their household can generate on and off farm incomes. And it's important to remember that cocoa is but one way. In many of households in Europe, you actually have both people or multiple participants of the household working and bringing money into the household. And, and they're doing that in a diversified way so that if one person loses their job or if one person's salary changes, there's other ways that they can support themselves. And that also needs to be done in support of the with the government looking at rural economic activities. So what are the options for farmers in rural economies? What else can be a source of income in addition and together with cocoa? That's where the work we're doing around agroforestry comes in. That's also the work that we're doing together with women to look at how women can also generate income through their small businesses, be it micro retail, um, be it looking at ways in which they can also generate off-farm income or income from food crops or setting up small technical trainings that they can then benefit from. So it's it's just really also looking at ensuring that the household itself has income that goes um, and is not solely dependent on, on cocoa. So I think there's lots of different strategies that the sector is taking and exploring um, with yeah. farmers and households and looking at ways in which we can address living income. You, you, you yourself, you've you've been in this position uh, what, since tw twenty twenty one, but you've actually been working in sustainability uh, since about twenty fourteen, haven't you? Mainly for for, for cargo. So you've seen in your experience 
has it has it got better? The, 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 I guess the awareness around sustainability, or the consumer awareness, has certainly has, hasn't it? And is that is that helping helping you with your job to you know push through um, sustainability programs? Um, you know, in big companies like like who you work for, like Cargo. Mm. I, and I, I indeed, I joined. It's funny, I joined Cargo in 2011, and I was one of the uh, I think first few employees that had sustainability in their job title. Yeah. Um, I then went over to Cocoa and Chocolate indeed in, in 2014 and, and worked across a few different supply chains. And if I look back, in my view, things have uh, evolved positively. I know many people would like to see things go faster, quicker. Um, and again, not an excuse, but there are quite a few diff- of different systems at play here that are mm-hmm. interconnecting that mean that it can be progress will take its time. But if I look across my organization, um, I see the maturity of the conversations. I see the amount of roles that we have now embedded within different functions. There are a lot of um, indicators that would suggest that sustainability is becoming increasingly rooted in how businesses are conducting themselves and in the considerations that they are taking when they are making decisions. And I think that will only uh, continue and that pace will only uh, increase in future. So I have there's many reasons, I think, where we can be very um, confident in the, in what we're going to see and, and how that might accelerate in the future as well. Okay, good. My final question, this is very a general question as well, is it's what I, I'm asking uh, sustainability officers like you, like yourself uh, for a feature that we're running on, on uh, Confection News and basically saying is sustainability under threat? And what I mean by that is, you know, because of supply chains have been under tremendous pressure mm-hmm. uh, in the past 12 months due to climate change, the war in Ukraine, the global economy, uh, the pandemic, um, you know, your remit, I know, is not about you know dealing with rising prices, but do you think there will be a pressure? To, to all the basically all the good work that has been done in the last ten years or so is it in danger of becoming undone because of the the wider issues? It's the contrary, actually, Anthony. Um, yeah, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, uh, quite the contrary. Absolutely. I mean. It has been a volatile year. I think, you know, and if you look back on any reflection on 2022, I mean, uh, you mentioned the pressure from climate change, uh, the war in Ukraine, um, the after effects of the global pandemic, you know, and all of all that that has created when it comes to supply chains and costs and expectations on how society should run. I think that actually means that we will see increased interest in the sustainability of business and the sustainability of society at large. And if anything, that will um, continue to create interest and um, expectation for the work that's being done. And what I hope is that will be mean that it will be increasingly mainstreamed. And, and as I mentioned earlier, will accelerate uh, the work that we're doing. So I think the need will only increase or let's say the need is there and will remain. But I think the expectation to deliver will increase. So I think this um, we're going to see uh, more attention um, on how we can actually continue to tra- transform the cocoa sector for the better. On that note, Kate, we will, we will leave it there. Thank you very much for your, your time and your insights. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation.